TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to TalkLine with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host... Welcome back to the program, Mom Zev Brenner. I forgot how many years ago since we last had Phyllis Chesler on our program. She's an American writer, psychotherapist, professor emeritus of psychology and women's studies at the College of Staten Island. She is writing and fighting against uh, many, writes about anti-Semitism, and she has a very interesting history, having grown up in a working-class Orthodox Jewish family in Brooklyn. But in college, she met somebody by the name of Ali, a westernized Muslim man from Afghanistan, the son of devout Muslim parents. They married in a civil ceremony, but when she visited, visited Afghanistan, she couldn't leave. Took away her passport. She finally made it back to the United States. She's now fighting and trying to get people out of Afghanistan. So, Phyllis, good to have you back. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, thank you. So I, I first wanted to start off. You you grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family in Brooklyn, New York. We're in Brooklyn, by the way. In Borough Park. Borough Park. I guess Borough Park was a different Borough Park then. It was, but I still went to Makhiti Kamatora and then to Marshallia High School as well as to public schools. And if I'd been a boy, I might have become a chazan. I'm a lady. Um, if, you been, if, if you would have been a boy, you would have become a what? A chazan. A chazan. A cantor. Yeah, in those times, it wasn't done. Possibly. So... In any event. But, um, so how'd you end up meeting Ali, marrying him? Because you come, you come oh, from different backgrounds. I was in college on a scholarship. I had never been away from home before. It was a very romantic episode, uh, a first love. But I really didn't know him. We, for example, we never discussed religion. We never discussed uh, what his family was like at all, so that when we finally, after two and a half years, I went there to travel. I didn't plan to live there, and I had a semester of college left. And when the plane landed, they did take away my American passport, which was done with all foreign wives. No, no, who took it away? The Afghan government. The, yes, the official... And they were not the Islamic government that we know from the Taliban. No, this is prior no. to the Taliban. This is a more enlightened government, so to speak, right? Well, no, not so fast. It was, it was not a Taliban government. It was free Taliban early 1960. And um, I didn't have a passport. And I met my father-in-law, who I didn't know, had three wives and 21 children, because my groom never mentioned that, nor did he tell me that I would have to live with my mother-in-law, which is pro forma for any Afghan daughter-in-law. And nor did he tell me that I would be essentially in pretty posh herda. That means not allowed to go out without uh, a man accompanying me, escorting me, driving me, uh, with and the women in his family were modern, uh, the younger women, and they wore headscarves and long coats. They were not wearing the burqa. Others were. And out of the city of Kabul, it was worn. 
for a long daylight so that they could instantly cover their faces if anyone walked by. And I write about this adventure, which I think was Bashert, uh, in An American Bride in Kabul. I say Bashert because having been lucky enough to get out and to come back to America, I understood things forever after about living in an Islamic society that most Westerners to this day have a very hard time believing or comprehending. And I got it. Even though I may not have fully gotten it at the moment, over time I got it more and more, so much so that I felt with 9-11 that Afghanistan was following me into the West, which indeed it was. That is the country that sheltered bin Laden, Mullah Omar, the caves of Bora Bora. That is the country now that myself and a, a, a grassroots group of women have been trying to rescue. And I wonder, am I rescuing myself as I wasn't at the time? Or am I doing a very Jewish thing? Is this what Jews do? Indeed it is. We rescue the imprisoned, we rescue those held captive, we rescue those in narrow straits. So you're, 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 there are no Jews left. There was one Jew. He's finally out. Simintov in Afghanistan. So you're rescuing just Afghani. I would assume Afghani women, who are certainly going to go back. Now, one of the things I'm curious about the way the media portrays it, the whole Afghan adventure was a fiasco. We can't change governments. We can't enforce democracy. Uh, we can't, you know, get them to do a different way of life. But from what you're saying was the Western values ended up being, especially in places like Kabul, where it, it did make a change in Afghan society, a major one, which they're not going to go backwards. Absolutely right. The, the problem is that the indigenous tribal, just as we're dealing with Palestinian terrorism, Afghan tribal fratricide, the, the warriors, not just Taliban, but the tribes, uh, of which there are many, they live to kill and fight and die. And it's a way of life. Now, it's not our way of life. It's very different. Uh, for example, the connectivity, the enmeshment of families is far greater than anything we know in the modern Orthodox world, for example. And if a girl or a woman, because I've done studies on honor killing, if a girl or a woman refuses to veil or doesn't veil properly or won't marry her first cousin when she's very young, her family will kill her. Now, not all families, because you're right. America, with our boots on the ground and our enormous capital infusion, we were able over a 20-year period to give hope to and educations to and shelter to the shelters for battered women and uh, education for women and for dissidents and for open-mindedness, for tolerance. So we succeeded in that, but that was fragile. Those are the very people, those are the children of our dreams that want to come here now, that want to escape the savagery of the Taliban. Now, you mentioned that you were able to escape. How did you leave Afghanistan? Because you were held prisoner. They had your passport. So how were you able to leave the country and free yourself? 
You're giving me a great opening. You have to read my book, An American Bride and Cobble. And there are so, because it will give it away. It will tell you how. I was very, very lucky. And these women, there are now more than 100, who are writing, imploring us to get them out, that they will be marked, that, that if they're lucky, they will be forcibly married to some barbarian Taliban fighter and forced to breed future warriors, ISIS style. That's if they're lucky. They're not lucky if they're being hunted for their track record uh, as modern, naked face, on the television, journalists, doctors, parliamentarians, politicians, uh, they will be killed in not pretty ways. Now, so, you're, now you're looking to try to get w women out of Afghanistan. Now, you've been doing so over the course of time. It's not something you just started today. You, you've been doing it for a while, correct? Yes. Well, I really jumped into this in the middle of July. And, and let me say that we should not have stayed there so long, neither should we have left in this shameful and dishonorable way. This has been said, this is almost agreed upon by all, both sides of the aisle. And it's really a digital gun curve that individuals, certainly Americans, and in my case, feminist women, are undertaking to do the right thing when our government has failed to do so. Digital gunker. Without the internet, none of this would have been possible because the Afghan women are chatting in club rooms, and I have a colleague in the UK who's a Sikh activist, and she alerted me, listen to this, look at this chatter, what do you think? And she was already involved in resettling the interpreters for the British military in the UK. And we then formed a team with a really brilliant lawyer, who's an immigration lawyer, who's been applying for visas for the women who have managed to get out and who are now in European countries and or in refugee camps, if not in Europe, then in America, where I must say they'd like to leave, they would like to have, you know, some better living accommodation. And, you know, what I say is, yeah, true, you're frustrated, you're disappointed, you're exhausted, you don't have a change of clothing, but you're not under the lash of the Taliban. Just try to remember. So how is it, now is, is it, now it's much more complicated to get people out, so how is that coming along? Because it's a changed landscape, literally. Yes, well, um, as I understand it, there are ex- special service forces and ex-marines and then there are organizations that are and philanthropists who are funding the evacuations you know so much per head this is the corruption of afghan society is unbelievable we're bypassing that as are others and we're dealing directly with paying for a plane paying for a pilot in our case, we need to fund the legal work without which these women will not be able to come or stay in the United States or in certain countries of choice in Europe. Beyond that, if angels come to, continue to come to the aid of uh, trapped Afghans, 
there'll be more planes and it will be X number of dollars per head allowed to be. So the price went the price went up to get people out. So people want to learn more, Phyllis, about you what you're doing, they want to help you, they want to be involved. How can the people learn more? Uh, at this point, um, I would say come to my website, www.phyllis hyphen dash c h e s l e r dot com. And uh, it will lead you to our lawyer's email address. Uh, there's a possibility of a direct deposit into a Santander bank. There's PayPal. Uh, we're working on getting a 501c3 set up. We don't have it yet. But I will guide people to where they need to go. Phyllis Chesler, a... American writer, psychotherapist, thank you for joining with us. We look forward to have you back again and may be successful in getting as many people as possible out of Afghanistan. Thank you for inviting me, Dad. Have a wonderful day. And Gemar Khatimah Tovah. Gemar Good and happy, healthy New Year. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.